Hey everybody, this is Mike from The Cut. Just want to let you know real quick that if you're hearing this message, you will not be hearing any music tracks during our episode. This is because you're not listening to us on Spotify. Only on Spotify can we play the music track. So if you're listening to us anywhere else, totally fine. Just want to let you know why there's no music. Now, without any further ado, let's get the show started. Welcome to the Cut Music. We are your hosts, Mike and the Moosh. <laughs> and Brett. Oh, wait. Brad's nope. not here. Brad's not here. No. Oh, you, you, you jumped the gun a little bit on that one. <laughs> we, we let Brad have a day off. Yeah, we gave Brad a day off because he works so hard. <laughs> that guy, we can't. We Getting him to come in on a Sunday, getting him to listen to our own show. He's yeah, such no, a dick. I don't know what pulling teeth is like, but I'm sure it's like pulling teeth. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever. Brad will be on. Uh, Brad will be back uh, next week. So, hey, as always, uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at The Cut Music One. And for everything else, thecutmusic.com. And the reason Brad is not here is because we're going across the pond yet again, Moosh. Oh, I, you know, we're just going to buy property over there at this point. I'm I think we ready. should. Yeah. No, I, t- I totally think we should. And and uh, as I was saying earlier, uh, before we hit record, I, it, you know, hearing I love the Scottish culture in action. I've really gotten to appreciate it. And I just mm. I love hearing the Scottish accent on a Sunday morning. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's I'm, I'm buying you bagpipes for Christmas. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I, I have Ricky throw in on that with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ricky Spence over <laughs> to India and beyond. And what we're getting at is uh, we have. A Scottish artist, uh, and that is Megan Black on the show today. Megan, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Welcome to we, the show. We're thank great. you. Great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we we were. Uh, I, I got a random email from uh, your your publicist saying, "Hey, um, this is one of my artists. Check her out." And we did. And um, it has been, it's been a, a wonderful journey going through, uh, a lot of your tracks and I, I, can you talk about some of your influences for the style? Because you have, you have your own style, but I hear these little bits of influence coming from other places. As I listen to like your older stuff from like 2019 up to, um, some of the newer stuff that you have coming out, which we'll get to later, but who were some of your influences? Where did this love for music come from? Um, so it's kind of weird. I think I'm definitely influenced by this sort of like nostalgic kind of seventies sound. Um, I don't know. I really, I love kind of, um, like the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger kind of thing. And I kind of wanted to see what would happen if I mixed, the Rolling Stones with like feminism because I know they're not really well known <laughs> for that. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of I just wanted to to find a, a sound, I suppose, that really resonated with me, which is this sort of like nostalgic 
um, sound and find a way to make that feel modern and make it feel like it represents me. So yeah, I would say like seventies rock. And it's, it's it's nice because there's not a lot of artists today that are trying to harness that magic of like seventies rock and that that era of music. I mean, mm. there's not a lot of rock bands that are doing that kind of thing, or at least indie bands. I know for sure. It's it seems like a a hidden a hidden um genre that's kind of like almost forgotten and i am glad i'm so glad to hear that like those guitar tones you're you're putting in your songs and like that the rhythms and like the 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 soul behind it is coming through in your music and i i'm absolutely here for it thank you yeah i love yeah. like a funky baseline if i can yes. if i can put a funky baseline in there somewhere then it's it's good it doesn't matter what the song's about <laughs> it can be like <laughs> about anything and there's a funky baseline somewhere so it's not yeah. getting released until the funk is is present literally uh, yeah <laughs> no and actually you know moose you're right because one of the things we've talked about before is like so i i grew up in the 90s uh moose and i both did but mm-hmm, when i think mm-hmm. of like my generation's music it's that 90s alternative. And mm. um, I haven't been able to find it for many years. And then when we started the show, I found out that that is what indie is doing. But indies, indie artists are in the 90s. Um, and I love that. So to have another indie artist who, uh, honestly, like us, is not old enough to have been around in the 70s, but got such an appreciation mm-hmm. for that music is, yeah. is awesome. Yeah, you're, you're, it. Finding a, you're finding you're a, finding a blend now of artists, like younger artists that are coming up and starting to make a name for themselves, such as yourself, Megan Black, um, that have such a wide catalog of uh, influence that mm. you can like pick and choose the best parts that do represent you, like you said. Yeah, and I think I yeah. think that comes through in your music. I think like if I'm if I'm tracing it back to like the origins, I think. Um, my first experience with that style of music was, um, do you remember the iPod shuffles, like the little tiny, yeah, yeah with a little clip on them? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think I have one lying around here somewhere. Yeah. They, <laughs> I, I miss them. Um, I got one of those and my granddad downloaded a bunch of his CDs onto it for me. Um, and one of them was like, it was like a kind of playlist and it was like Bob Dylan and Deacon nice. Blue and stuff. So I think. For me, like it was kind of, I mean, I grew up watching Hannah Montana. Um, so like I was very much like, am I Hannah Montana or am I Bob Dylan? And I think it just kind of went from there. So it became a sort of mix of my personality, really, of what I want to do. So I, I didn't grow up watching Hannah Montana, but I enjoyed <laughs> being a grown up and listening to Miley Cyrus. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. God, she has her transformation is, is remarkable. It, it's it's my it's my favorite music transformation, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and the problem is the the only the 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 thing that I don't want to say I don't like about uh what she's doing. I just want is mm. a, original metal rock because yeah. she's doing that so well. Uh, we've mm. played her cover of nothing else matters with, with Chad Smith and Robert Trujillo yeah. and Watt uh, and Yo-Yo Ma and Elton John on this show. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. one of my favorite covers of all time. She, her mm. cover of zombie, which is a live recording, like blew up. Yeah. And yeah. when she came out 
with her last album, I mean, not that she's doing anything wrong. Flowers is still trending a- in the top 10 months later. Mm. Yeah. But I, w- I wanted a Miley metal album. Yeah. Like, I, where's this voice where you're gargling, you know, whiskey with razor blades? <laughs> like, I want that Miley back. Yeah. Uh, but she yeah, no, great. she's she's my favorite transformation. But I, I think it's so awesome. Uh, one of the things that, that we've we've talked about a lot is like where and that's why it's always the first question to ask an artist. Where'd your influence come from? Mm. And it's everyone's like dad or grandfather that just gave them this like Moosh and I, it was our dads. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you yeah. know, for you, for you, your, your grandpa gave you an iPod shuffle. What other, what other artists were on there? So you mentioned Dylan and, and a few others, but like who else caught your eye or your ear? Ooh, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I think Bruce Springsteen was another one. It was the very boss, much like granddad's tunes. Yeah. So I think, I think honestly, like I'm only just realizing this now. I feel like this has turned into like a strange therapy session. But like for me, I'm like, <laughs> yes. Hmm. Um, I I do think it was that kind of blend of being like a young person growing up, you know, kind of in this sort of Hannah Montana high school musical, um, sort of like camp pop sort of stuff mm-hmm. mixed with like granddad music. And having an appreciation for both of those, um, I think has influenced me. Like I, I, I feel like I resonate with both things very equally, which is nice. So, yeah, that, that sounds nice. like yeah. I would say it sounds like it's in your blood. If your granddad was, you know, kind enough to like kind of start you early on some of those, yeah. you know, '60s and '70s rock and roll. I mean, I totally. see you got a you got a bunch of posters right behind you on your wall, uh, yes. and I, the only one I can really make out is David. Bowie, Bowie, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I can't. I mean, everything. It's it's really small on the screen. Yeah, <laughs> it's also it's not hung up very well. So I moved into this flat, and this wall was so bare. So I just mm. randomly put up my like record covers, but I didn't even put them up straight. So they're all kind of squint, and I've just sort of left them because I'm like, oh, it's it adds to the character. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it makes it more of a collage than so, you know. S- yeah, second second row up. Second mm-hmm. album from our right, your right too. If you turn around and look at it, that's either yeah. Prince, Little Richard, Lionel Richie, or Michael Jackson. Am I right? So this one <laughs> is actually Bob Dylan's new album. Ah, I think the one you're talking about. It's like, yeah, you can't really make it out. It's um, Rough and Rowdy Ways, the one he released during lockdown. Uh-huh. He, he has like a song that's like I want to say it's like 20 minutes long like it's so self-indulgent and just like he's just not giving a fuck but it's great <laughs> that's, um, I love that I love yeah. doing so much <laughs> is he is he your favorite uh, folk artist I think so I, I think he's my favorite songwriter like I think whenever I've he, it's kind of weird because he's like he's both my go-to when I'm really sad and I can just sit and listen to him and be like just pretend I am Bob Dylan. <laughs> and then yeah. he's also my go-to if I'm just like driving around in my car and like just having a good time. Like it, it's it's weird. So I feel like he's definitely, as a lyricist, someone I can really, um, really admire and look up to. Um, but yeah, he's, he's one of my he, favorites. He's, he's, he's one of the best. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I've talked about it before. So he had a really close friend uh, named Phil Oaks. Have you ever mm-hmm. heard of him? I don't think so. Maybe. 
Look him up. Okay. Look him up. Yeah, he's he he was giving Bob Dylan a run for his money for a while, but they were really good friends. But like they were battling for for a top folk artist spot, Mm -hmm. uh, and then there was a tragic accident. But he's my favorite. You you want lyrics? Like he's a little more direct than Bob Dylan is, which is what he's. I liken him to like if you know Bob Dylan's Bob Dylan. He's very poetic, but Mm -hmm. if you want a folk artist that was like the equivalent of Rage Against the Machine. Ooh. During that time, like yeah. that's this guy and his okay. poetry and everything. Yeah, it's great. Um, I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll forward you a link. Um, yeah, please the, do. To his stuff. But um, we have your music to get yes. to, and yes. I I think uh, I think we should start with uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Mother, sister, lover is your most recent single. It is. Yeah. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> do you want to talk a little? <laughs> do you want to introduce this track? Uh, sure, yeah. So this is a, a single that I released um, at the end of June just this year. Um, and it's basically about the patriarchy. A lot of my songs are. And I created it with a bunch of um, artists uh, identifying as female or non-binary. And we created like a really wholesome music video and stuff. Uh, and yeah, it's just filled with anger. It's great. Power <laughs> anger. Here is uh, the latest single from Megan Black, Mother, Sister, Lover. What I really have enjoyed with your music and your latest single, again, that was Mother, Sister, Lover from Megan Black, uh, is you add spoken word. And mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask you about, you know, you're, you're young and young people always have a lot to say. And yeah. I'm curious about how you decided that when you made your music, you were going to, and for our listeners, you guys, you'll hear this as, as we continue playing through your songs today. It's almost like you had things to say that you didn't, you didn't want to risk the message being lost by putting a melody to it. Like you, you add speech mm. into a lot mm. of your tracks. Um, how did, how did that become like a part of your formula? So it's kind of interesting with this song, the spoken word part was never supposed to be in the song. Um, so it, like originally when it gets the spoken word part, it's supposed to just be the little like, um, mother, sister, lover, I'm not the enemy thing kind of overlapping. Um, the spoken word part came about because I record all my own stuff and mm-hmm. I was recording all of the backing vocals mm-hmm. and then still had to do my vocals and it got to about one in the morning and I was in the studio and I was just like, fuck this and fuck that. And I just <laughs> let, like, genuinely just let the recording run and just like spoke over the top of it so you can actually hear like at one point I'm like trying not to cry and I was like they'll leave this in it they'll take it out but it just felt always very leave it always yeah. leave it in yeah always leave that when it's something that raw like this that's, so it sounds like you did this in one take like it was just like one of those like random I'm just gonna let my emotion yeah. take over let my soul like you know run the mm-hmm. helm and just keep the the red light on you know the the record button on and genuinely this was like one take like I was in my studio by myself and I just was like so over it like I was just like I can't 
be bothered with anything, but I was like equally I I felt very compelled to put this song out there and I think it got to the point where I was quite emotional about what I was talking because I feel like sometimes when you're you're too busy creating a song it's like you forget what it's actually about or at least for me when I'm too busy thinking like okay we need to record this and maybe we should add in a little like finger snap here <laughs> or something and then before you know it you've kind of lost like your emotional connection with it and I yeah. think I was just so tired by the end of that recording day that I was just like really do, do, angry do you, find that, do you find that like 1 a.m like anytime after midnight I feel mm. is like creativity starts getting like more you get more and more creative or you kind of like let your yeah. guard down a little bit when you're recording or create uh, creating or you know composing mm. for me like 2 a.m is like the magic sweet spot for creativity like if yeah. I've been up all day and then it's like, all right, I'm recording, it's 2 a.m. And hopefully I'm not going to be in earshot or, you know, disrupt anybody around me. But yeah. if you have that isolation in a studio, 2 a.m. is the magic sweet spot for me. That's great in your 20s. The problem is, is after you get <laughs> after like 32, you rarely see 2 a.m. anymore <laughs> is the problem. Yeah. But so you, you were talking about. Uh, you you were you the the emotion of the song and what it was about was getting to you and mm. I I I I think the the message is, is sort of clear. This is uh this is a, a a house divided cannot stand and why are we dividing ourselves? But yeah. is there is there any other like deeper meaning to this for you? If if it's gonna bring out that kind of emotion in you, mm. I just I have this feeling that it can't just be the cliche we're stronger together there's got to be something else in there am I right yeah no there totally is yeah um I think for me as as a queer person feeling like you belong to this like womanhood can be hard sometimes because you know for everyone gender is a, a spectrum and I think um it was important for me creating this this song in general that I wanted to include people who weren't just cis women. It's kind of for anyone who feels they can relate to this this pressure that's sort of put on you. Like from when you're like a little kid, like I remember being a little girl and you know, the messages I was getting was like, you should say no to, to eating more food before you should say no to someone, you know, invading your space or setting a boundary with someone. Um, so this song is is more representative of like a bigger picture. Um, but the actual EP, um, which I'm releasing on the 29th of September, uh, is basically a kind of exploration into a lot of my own experiences. And unfortunately, a lot of my experiences with um, more sort of traumatic events have been directly linked to womanhood and to being involved, like being a woman and being kind of, um, I don't know how to explain it, maybe sort of constantly having to be aware of the fact that you have to fight against things, you know, like it feels like you have to, um, it's just stupid things if you're out in a bar it's like you have to make sure that your drink is covered you have to make sure that you're mm. um behaving it like it feels like you're constant i kind of describe it as like 
I feel like I'm constantly dealing with the consequences of other people's actions. And that isn't just cis men. I think there's been obviously this system built that tells women that we should compete against one another. There's only ever usually one spot and that we should always feel like we're, we have to be prettier and funnier and better at things. <laughs> um, well, it's, yeah. You, no, yeah. That, that, that I, makes complete. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, it makes complete sense. What I'm hearing mm -hmm. is women have had, uh, to have, they've had to take all the responsibility and accountability with very little control yeah. over, over certain things. And, uh, you know, when you are out in a bar and you have to like watch a drink and stuff like that, but you know, if you act too much like yourself and too free, whatever happens to you, you were asking for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, no. that's the, the thing. Sorry, Moosh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it, it. I mean, I, Again, we're Mike and I are both straight men, you yeah. Know, but mm -hmm. I, I, so I I can't um, fully um, relate uh, to, yeah. to that that uh, struggle. But what I can say is that like I know that like the the imagery that's put out. I mean, especially for the past hundred years at least, or since the fifties mm -hmm. is what I always think back to. Like watching, having watched Mad Men, that series <laughs> is like the the role of women that was a thing like there was a role that you played like not you but mm -hmm. women played like that was kind of like in yeah. society there was a role and magazines helped depict this role like this oh you have to fit into this cookie cutter image this you yeah. know you have to you have to match up and live up to these you know um magazine covers and these billboards the commercials, and the commercials man. and like oh everything God, everything had like there was i mean and it's still it's still prevalent today it's just it's finally i feel like with with artists such as yourself that are you know speaking up and and pushing the boundaries and trying to like tear down these walls brick by brick that it's like slowly we're changing as a society and it's going to take time yeah. it's going to yeah. take you know time for people to grow out of these horrible um biases and and habits yeah. and at, at just that's just the evolution of of humans so hopefully we're we are growing to the be um to be better as a, as a human, you know, totally. as humankind. And yeah. I, I think just, the only reason time. it seems like, like, the, cause like some of these, some of these walls, you, you're, you're never going to take them down. You're not, yeah. people just, people are so ingrained in, um, racism, yeah. uh, yeah. uh, things of that nature. And it, it just, there's just some minds that you're just not going to change. But yeah. I think, I think what is changing is more people laugh at those things now. More <laughs> people are seeing that they're that they're BS. Like uh, I mentioned commercials, like the old Folgers commercial. It wasn't just about their coffee. It was about helping the wife make a better cup of coffee for her husband <laughs> and not yeah. fail him as a wife. Yeah. There's uh, my favorite example is Goodyear. Uh, Goodyear has a tire had a tire out in like the 50s or 60s. It was like the commercials in black and white. And it's a woman driving on a dark road in the rain and her tire like runs over a nail and like there's this new like fix a flat technology in the tire. And it's like, what will you do when a man's not around? And it's like, because women can't change tires. You guys, right. they're not, they're not wow. strong enough. This is a male thing. And it, it's <laughs> so 
like to me, like, uh, you know, I, I have a pretty offensive sense of humor and like I laugh at those things now because it's honestly absolutely ridiculous. But yeah. and that's that's, um, what, that's what I'm talking about is like the change over time. Because that was the 50s. And this is yeah. you know, 70 years later. And it, like finally we're like, hey, you know what? Obviously, everyone can change a fucking tire it's not that it's not that it's it's not that hard that you know we can't we shouldn't assume that one person can't do it or that one race or gender or anything you know to, to group people into the oh no, no no men that's a man's job like that's such that's such yeah. a bs like concept now that i don't i i feel like i agree with you mike that it's it's laughable and more people are laughing at that concept. more people are laughing at that concept but um so uh, moving on, Megan, um, <laughs> I wanted, uh, if you're okay with it, I, I, I wanted to put your, what I, uh, read up on was your very first single, which is Fur Coat Queen mm-hmm. on here. I thought it'd be great to go with your, your new hit and start with your very first one. Okay. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about this song before we play it? Um, yeah. So this song actually was my way of coming out, <laughs> which was, I hadn't come out to my family or like majority of my friends or anything yet. I just didn't really know how to. Um, and uh, yeah, I decided to write a song about a woman who I worked with, who I had a crush on, who used to wear a fur coat. And that's as deep as it goes, really. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Again, here's Megan Black, fur coat queen. what does right. it for me on that song i know it does it for me all the backup vocals and the the very yeah. subtle harmony like the the over harmony you have oh, like that every you. time i hear the song i'm like those those <laughs> backup vocals that's that's what does it for me on this song thank so you so megan i i don't i don't think you know this about me but i love strings yeah whenever, whenever strings get thrown into a song it's it, it just it, it's automatic elevation every time <laughs> every time strings show up Fair so um so you you introduce this song by saying that this is about somebody that you worked with that wore fur coats that, that you had a crush on. Mm-hmm. But when I listen taking that into account and listening to this, it also is there was there a desire as your it sounds like you're still um, I don't want to use the word struggling, but but uh, exploring the idea of whatever your sexuality is going to be. It's yeah. you said there's things for you to teach me. Like, were you also like looking up to this person as already living more of their life than you did, than you had it so uh, so far um, with this thing that you're already exploring? And like, it, it almost sounds like you were wanting a mentor of some kind. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You no, know, you're you're so right. I mean, um, yeah, like I think being queer is such a confusing, like it's just being constantly confused. Um, <laughs> yeah, when I came out, I mean, I feel like there is no. You have to, as a queer person, you have to kind of seek a mentor or a role model because whenever you know, growing up as a kid, you wouldn't watch a film and see yourself represented or if you did it would be like the like stereotypical like camp best Jack friend from will and grace or something yeah so yeah. it kind of it it never really felt like i had anyone that i could be like oh they're like me and 
I mean, I'm from a very small town in Scotland, and it's a it's a town that's like there's a lot of straight people, and it, it doesn't it didn't really feel okay to be queer and to just be who I was, um, which is part of why I no longer live there anymore. But also, um, I think that song was kind of for myself really to just put that out there and not have all the kind of answers as well um yeah I don't know I'm still confused I'm confused every day not even just about being <laughs> queer just in general I, um, I, I think that's most of us <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just not knowing what the future holds and where we stand on certain things and yeah it, it, life isn't uh there's no destination in life it's always a journey and you're always learning and growing yeah and I think that's important to always keep in mind as you, you yeah know, to not get like stuck in a certain mindset to always accept new data to help totally. like influence your your decision making and and your life going forward yeah yeah that's and, and that's sure. and that's the thing life is confusing enough and mm. um you know it, it's some you know uh it, it's confusing enough without having to have other things that that you worry about and you know i'm not uh it, it's hard because i feel i feel like from mine and like moosh's perspective i feel like we're always having to do and this isn't a complaint. It's, it's something that I enjoy, but we're always having to do uh, like reality checks in life. Yeah. Like every, every, like, it, do you feel like for someone that's not, uh, that is anti, anti LGBTQ, anti, uh, you know, uh, racist, labels you know, whatever stuff, yeah. lab labels and things of that nature. Like, do you feel mm. like they um, feel like you guys have it easy? Like, uh, to an extent, like, oh, like, the, like my life has been hard. My I've had to go through this, that, and the other thing. What the hell do they know? They get everything handed to them. Like, is mm -hmm. that a perception that, that you guys, I, I feel like it's something you guys may feel. I'm just one, I, I'm just curious how you view that. Do you mean in terms of, like, as a queer person, do I think straight homophobic people have it easy? Or... No, they, oh, okay. do, they they feel that you do. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of the times like this term snowflake. I don't know if you guys use oh, that yeah. too. Yeah. yeah oh, use lot. it. No, but we hear <laughs> it. Yeah, I no, sorry. I don't it. mean. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't know if it was like a UK thing or not. Um, yeah, no, I think, I mean, to be honest, I, I feel kind of, it's kind of hard. I'm always in two minds about this because I do think in a way we have it easier as a generation, I think, you know, young people nowadays, it's, it's, it is easier in a way, well, in a lot of ways to come out than it was, you know, even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, like it's constantly yeah. evolving and that's a great thing, but I understand why people, I sometimes look at that and think like maybe people, especially like this kind of older generation um it tends to be from sort of like boomers that are like oh these snowflakes complaining about this and that and back in my day back you know uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i think i understand the the resentment because i mean for me before i came out if i'm being honest i was quite homophobic because i didn't i didn't know how to deal with the fact that I was queer. So it was easier to be like, 
oh I, I mean I get it but I just don't understand it do you know what I mean like you can be queer but I don't understand and I remember genuinely having those feelings of homophobia towards other queer people and it's I think it's more of a when someone else mirrors you so closely or mirrors something that you want to be it's really hard to not to not get riled up by it or to not feel connected to it in some way yeah. um so I, I i don't know i mean i think it just depends it's, everyone's it's, it's experiences a, are different it, it sounds like it's a very common um battle between like nature versus nurture like mm. how you were raised and the environment you were raised in versus yeah. who and what you are and how you define yourself and who you yeah. grow into become so yeah. it's kind of one of those things you kind of have to battle against, you know, whatever uh, environment you grow up in and then mm -hmm. to really kind of flourish as who you are as an individual. And that's that's a battle in all aspects of, you know, sexuality, your po politics, like there's all kinds mm -hmm. of different things you can go into. Totally. And I think when you guys are saying about the reality check thing, that's such a great thing like I'm constantly going through reality checks too of like unlearning a bunch of stuff and I think that's such a good way because even though as a queer woman I I do experience oppression being a woman and being part of the LGBT community but equally I'm white and I'm cis and I'm able-bodied like I'm still very privileged and it's it's important for me to have those reality checks and be aware of where I can educate myself and kind of grow as a person. Um, and I think it's it's sort of a thing where my music is set to not just appeal to queer people and to women. Like, I want people to feel included just to be themselves and just to to try and make positive change in some way or another. Um, and for me, like, people who will not change their mind will not, they're not going to change their mind just because I've put out a little song with a funky bass line in it being like, <laughs> You hey. never know, music is powerful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, you'd be surprised. <laughs> if it does, I'd be, I'd be very, I'd be very happy with that. But equally, I think, I don't know if you guys have you guys watched The Office. Are you fans oh, of The Office? Please. Well, okay. Um, fans the, is an understatement for me. <laughs> well, there's the there's the UK Office and then there's the American Office. So, oh wait, American yeah, one. Office. Yeah, American, the American one. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Which, so sorry, Ricky Gervais. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know if you guys have seen the episode where they're debating about whether or not Hillary Swank is hot. Oh, and yeah. yeah, and Oscar Oscar <laughs> makes such a valid point in the middle of it, saying like, "This is why debating is pointless because we just get entrenched in our own views." Like, yeah, and it, it like it's funny like within that context of the episode, but it's so true in terms of this kind of topic. Is like, if you if you're already in an environment where everyone around you doesn't think it's okay to be gay or everyone around you is white or everyone around you is cis. And then on top of that, you have, you hold these beliefs and then you go into social media and it shows you the, not to like get into all this too much, but <laughs> your algorithms designed for oh, yeah. your own views. And it like, 
I can understand why it just it just perpetuates someone's view already on what they they think and they you know I I can understand why people don't get it um it doesn't make it easy and I'm not making excuses for them but it it explains it you know I'm not I'm not excusing it but having having that sort of outlook on it I think for me is a way to deal with it is that these people um are really going on to social media and maybe seeing an artist like me who is the opposite of what they believe in or how they've been taught to think their whole lives. Um, And I can understand why they're not happy about it and why they they feel so uncomfortable with it because it is uncomfortable to have these new ideas like right in your face. You said something earlier. that that um my my best friend other other than the moosh over there my uh my my best friend is um uh lesbian Brad. and oh. <laughs> one thing that one thing that i um i've noticed from from her and i just heard from you um is it's you people are ingrained to hate what they don't understand and that's because mm. Hate is so easy to do. I mean, they made yeah. nine movies out of it and called it Star Wars. The dark side <laughs> is is so easy. Mm. It's it's a very easy response because once you hate something, that means you don't have to deal with it. And the irony of that is yeah. it ends up consuming you and all you do is deal with it because you, uh, like the LGBT pride, all of that happens all around you. And I, I think from what I've seen is... Um, they feel left out. Yeah. Like I like. Why can't I celebrate being white? Why can't I celebrate being straight? That's, that's like, frowned upon. And <laughs> and most well, no. But but the thing is, the, the thing is, is celebration and pride in in what you are. Yeah. Is a direct result of of oppression. Mm-hmm. And if and I'm sorry until straight white men are oppressed on a yeah. global scale. Yeah. And, but the, but what they will argue at this yeah. point is that they are and they're going through that oppression right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I remember talking to Brown Bear about this during our, our Kendrick Lamar deep dive. And he said to him, that's fine, but you mm-hmm. need to own it. Yeah. If you're going to be proud to be white, you need to own Adolf Hitler. You need to own Joseph Stalin. Mm-hmm. You need to own the KKK. And it's like yeah. I never understood why taking all of that responsibility upon yourself mm-hmm. was a wise thing to do. Yeah. I have zero, I have zero pride in all of that, but you know, you were also talking about um, understanding and, and things like that. And the problem is, is once somebody fits into a category mm-hmm. um, that, that, that you don't like that defines them. That is them. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Everything else, like you know, if, if I was homophobic, it doesn't matter that you and I could probably sit and talk for hours about Bruce Springsteen and The Office, and it would be a mm-hmm. fantastic conversation. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> yeah, it would. You're, you know, you're queer, and therefore that is all you are. And yeah. That's it. Yeah. Right. And even I can say, you know, the side of the political spectrum that I don't like, they make the best food. I'll say that hands down. Their food is amazing. 
<laughs> you gotta you gotta find things you, you know, love. You know what's you know, here's a fun experiment, a social experiment that anybody and I, I advise everybody to give this a try is uh Megan, you mentioned, you know, your algorithm, how your algorithm really does hone in on your own biases and what you love mm-hmm. and what you like. Um create a second account. Use a whole new email, a whole new like on like, there's no data on you yet in the world mm-hmm. on this particular email and then just start liking everything that you don't like. So you yeah. have an alternative stream of of an algorithm and that way you can kind of see both sides of whatever or all sides of these different, yeah. you know, spectrums of politics or or gender fluidity or whatever it is that you which side you do or, you know you do find yourself in your normal algorithm and then the opposing algorithm, so to speak. And that way you can just kind of get all the data, all the information. And it kind of helps you, I feel regulate in a way to where you're not like, Oh, these darn lefties or these darn right. Or, you know, you don't, you don't don't want to hate the other person or the other side. And that kind of helps influence a a sense of, of unity or togetherness, or you can kind of see why they view this or why they view that or why they think this. I feel like that would be a fast track down the road of anxiety. It is. You start thinking like, how are they so like, how is this person so dumb? And not they, but yeah. this person, like usually you find like one account. You're like, what are you talking about? Like, that's <laughs> no, what, what? <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of problems in this world, but two things are, are definitely priority number one and two for me. And that is climate change and social media. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, it doesn't matter. We can fight all we want. Mother Nature is actively working on killing us all uh, yeah. out of yeah, retaliation. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> so, um, so, Megan, um, you have a song about mm-hmm. one of my favorite places in the world. And Ooh. that is your song, San Francisco, yes. uh, obviously about San Francisco. I spent a lot of time in San Francisco, um, especially over the last few years. It Mostly in Alcatraz. Favorite. But mostly no. <laughs> uh, it, it, it is my favorite uh big fan of the rock um yeah. <laughs> uh it is my favorite place to walk around do mm-hmm. food journeys through uh and and see shows and day drink like it's yeah day day drink day eat day walk all that stuff and then into the night oh my I, i've had so many uh i had i grew up an hour and a half from San Francisco. And I went there three or four times. And then mm-hmm. in the last two years, I have been there like six times and I absolutely love it. Yeah. What have you ever been to San Francisco? I've not. Um, I do have some, some news, which I'm not allowed to announce right now, but um, the, the dreams might be aligning which is very cool so i'll keep you guys it, posted on that but yeah absolutely. if that dream aligns you let me know and we will meet in person yeah that'd be great that'd be great yeah, I'll, I'll i'll email you after the show but yeah please please <laughs> yes no i think that would that would be amazing i've had so many great musical experiences and it is one of our dreams uh mm-hmm. mine uh mine moose and brad's to get to actually meet one of the artists that we've had on here because we are yet to have a United States based artist for whatever reason, our podcast has our, our show has grown in Europe more than anywhere else. And as far as I'm concerned, that's where the great music is coming from. So I'm, I think we're doing something right. Um, 
but uh, yeah, no, that would be that would be great. So I have to ask then, you've never been to San Francisco. Yes. What what motivated you to write a song about this this uh, honestly mecca of culture? I mean, it always has been. Hate Ashbury, like one of my favorite neighborhoods. Mm. What made you want to do that? Um, so the real reason is I wanted to write a song about essentially as an as a musician, I've worked in a lot of really shit jobs. Um and I remember one job in particular where I was just like looking out the window and you know typing emails back to customers all that kind of shit and then I was like there must be more to life than this and my sort of dream would be to just essentially just write songs and travel and just float around and do my thing um and for some reason I've always been really drawn to San Francisco um it just it feels very symbolic for me in terms of just somewhere I would like to be or like to go to um that's pretty much the only reason it I, just, I can t- sorry I, it just no, like resembles like hope of like not having to deal with people's bullshit which <laughs> that's pretty much it <laughs> you know I, I i can tell you you would fit right in in san francisco and the only reason i say that is because everybody fits right in in san francisco yeah it, it is yeah. it is honestly it's one of the coolest places it gets I, I don't know how much you hear about san francisco over in scotland but i mean it gets a horrible reputation mm. here in the united states there's just uh you know there's aggressive homeless people everywhere there's needles all over the streets and it's just a bunch of shit and te- no yeah that, that's not it i i have put easily on foot 50 miles through that city. I've walked around that city at three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I've never felt unsafe. Yeah. Not once. It, it, it is a fantastic city. And you're also I like think six it's... foot five. Like you're a big dude. <laughs> that might <laughs> help you slightly. <laughs> but I mean, if there's needles and, and people that just want to harm you uh, at, at, and mug you and all this other shit at any point, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it, this one six foot five person can't take them all on. Right. So, yeah, yeah. You're not, but, I am legend, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's, I, I, I'm glad you said that you haven't been there because that gives, I don't think I've ever heard a song about a place, maybe other than heaven, uh, but an actual place mm-hmm. that somebody has written a song about and it's their idea, yet they have no experience with it. Yeah. They only know what they've researched. So, I'm, I've listened to the song a few times, but I feel like I'm going to have a different kind of listen this time. So mm-hmm. here we go. San Francisco off of the Deadly Is the Woman album. <laughs> Megan, I hope to meet you there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead. No, I was saying it's it's kind of cool to see that perspective like shift because the first time we heard this track we had assumed you'd been to San Francisco and that's, you know, it's like a favorite place of yours, mm. but having a different perspective of like, Oh, I've never been there. It's my dream to go there. Or, you know, you'd love to go there someday. And it sounds like you are wanting to go there and kind of be embraced with, you know, open arms because it's, you know, your kind of people, as you, as you say, yeah, and just, and the, and the scat, we were talking the about scat. the scat. We, oh, love, we love scatting. Scatting yeah. is, is dead. So is, so are guitar solos and commercial music. This song Not anymore. Both of them. 
What? Yeah. Not anymore. They're not dead anymore. It's back, solos? baby. Guitar solos and scatting are back, baby. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, this this is such a a great anthem for that city. Yeah. Thank I, and and I'll, I'll get into that in a, in a minute. So one of the things I did when this song was playing is I Googled songs about San Francisco. Mm. There's the famous, I forget who sings it, but if you're in San Francisco, whatever yeah. song that was, yeah. I knew one of my favorite artists, Otis Redding, sitting on the dock of the bay, was about San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned open arms, Moosh. And speaking of open arms, did you know that Lights by Journey is about San Francisco? No, I did not know that. I did not know that either. But according <laughs> to this list, it is about San Francisco. Um, but your San Francisco anthem, Megan... Um, there is an open amphitheater in the middle of Golden Gate Park mm-hmm. and, um, my, my, my cousin, my concert cousin, uh, who we call my CC, uh, <laughs> we, we were, we were walking through Golden Gate Park one day on one of our, uh, infamous food journeys. And are you a gamer, Megan? Do you play video games at all? Sometimes I'm not, it's not like my thing, but I do, I dabble. Okay. Yeah. So there's, uh, and, and one of mine and, and Moosh's favorite games of all time, Ocar- it's called Ocarina of Time. It's a Zelda game. It came mm-hmm. out on 64 back in like 1997. Uh, one of the things you got to do is you go into this place called the Lost Woods and you have to, there's always like three different paths you can go down yep. and you have to go towards where you hear the music coming from. Ooh. Loudest, right? So we're walking through Golden Gate Park. We're on a path. And there's paths that lead everywhere. There's all these forks in the road. And it's just, you can't see too far in front of you, but we hear this music. And it was like we were, we were lost in the lost woods. And we all of a sudden walk into what I think was like the very middle of Golden Gate Park. And there's this giant amphitheater there. And we saw Van Morrison's daughter performing there. Oh, wow. And I can totally see this song killing it at that venue. Yeah, you yeah. captured like this song, and and it's this is an easy thing to say because, like I said, San Francisco is truly a melting pot. It's got everything for everybody, mm-hmm. but like this sort of West Coast, almost counterculture, uh, uh, feeling in music mm-hmm. is very prominent there. And for somebody that's never been there. You captured that sound. Like, this is yeah. the sound it should have been for what you were going for. And you captured mm-hmm. that beautifully. Thank you. Yeah, the, the guitar tone alone feels yeah. like California. Like, I, it's like beach yeah. guitar or something. Like, however you did the, the amp and the distortion and, like, the tone you captured on the guitar, it definitely felt West Coast. Thank you, <laughs> Which, Yeah, it was really awesome, yeah. yeah. Thank you. I yeah. think it's, like, my way of just manifesting going there. I just feel very, like, yeah, I feel like it's easy to feel drawn to, to places and to people. And um, yeah, I think, I think it's on the cards at some point, but again, I will, I will email you that uh, yeah. separately, but yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Please let me know. And I, I hope uh, not only is that dream come true for you, but I hope it is everything you dreamed of and more when you get there. Yeah. And if, if uh, my cousin and I could steal you away <laughs> for a day or a few hours and mm-hmm. help that happen for you, I would be more than happy. Uh, cool. to to kind of host you and walk you around uh, some of the places there. Yeah, that'd be um, amazing. there there there's a li- there's a lyric in there I wanted to ask you about. Mm-hmm. I blame the revolution for making us all the same? Is that what it was? Yeah. Um 
Yeah, I mean, it, it was supposed to be sort of a nod to, um, like, kind of the whole, like, psychedelics movement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in terms of, I kind of wanted to go for this sort of, like, hippy vibe in terms of musically, but lyrically have it being more of, like, a kind of slight towards the people in power and the people that sort of dictate what is good for us and what isn't good for us. And Mm. um, one of the things was like, you brought me pretty flowers, so I put them in my hair. Um, Like just this kind of thing of like, okay, you're going to give me a little bit of a reward for for being good and for staying in line. And I feel like... um, one of the things was like as soon as someone brings something into the, the like the general public's attention so the idea of like a revolution or like rebelling against something it feels like it it kind of loses its mad its magic once it's kind of like toned down a bit or like it feels like everybody just gets put back into line again. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, Yeah. yeah. So it it was supposed to kind of be a a bit of a nod towards um, the sort of psychedelic movement and also to the fact that like, there's always this, this feeling of people telling us what we should and shouldn't do. And we can't really win. Like we're always kind of trying to, we're always sort of forced to be the same or to like stay the same as we are. I feel like it helps people in power, like keep us in line a bit. So yeah. Deep yeah, stuff, well, but yeah. I, I like, <laughs> I mean, real, I want to touch back on, you know, uh, flowers in your hair. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Mike, I think you even mentioned that too, like songs from about San Francisco. That's Scott McKenzie. Yeah. Uh, and that yeah. song came out in 1967. About wow. if you're going to San Francisco. That's who it yeah. was. Be sure to put flowers yeah. in your hair. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We we spoke we spoke about the rock earlier. Uh, the, the the movie and Sean Connery sings that song in that movie. Um, <laughs> I can't that, imagine Sean Connery of. singing that. He sings it. He like sings right it October, in the shower. Like- <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you're ever in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so okay so going back to what you were talking about uh megan it's it's weird how different perspectives happen and and like here in the united states um i feel more like uh, from my perspective uh categories are used to Mm -hmm. keep people separated and in in line uh because again it's the easiest thing to do if there is a new category that you don't understand Mm -hmm. let's just hate it because that's the easy response yeah as we're as we were talking earlier so i was gonna say real quick i mean even just a step back to outside of politics outside of you know the deep con like the deep content we're talking about Mm -hmm. uh think of just like football leagues like you have football team like whether it be british football like soccer or american football like people have their team and then it's like, yeah. hey, fuck you to the other teams. You know, yeah. like, it's like, and, oh, and we're, up against, we're up against, you know, uh, this other team. Like, ah, screw those guys. I hope yeah. they all fall injured or something. Like, people wish, like, horrible things against, like, mm-hmm. football teams or sports teams. And it's just like, it's just the tribalism is so ingrained in, in humanity that yeah. we almost, and in our culture, that we almost, like, 
forget that it's just it's just a game, guys. Like it's just or it's, it's not just a game. It's move. just a game, you know. It's just like it's just it's just a sports team. Like it doesn't matter. And I think we can even take that. Like I don't want to say that you know sexuality or politics don't matter, but you don't have to hate the other side or hate yeah. the opposing opinion to. Yeah understand that there are opposing opinions there are opposing sides and that helps it's supposed to help us be healthy in a Mm -hmm. way of various opinions to where we're not just one giant hive Mm -hmm. mind yeah i just think that well and and it seems like as things become more extreme you can't you can't have the opposite opinion with even the best of intentions anymore yeah. because the worst the 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 different opinions with the worst of intentions are so loud so you know somebody brings up um i don't, I don't know if immigration is a hot topic for you guys over there i don't know if that's a thing like you yeah get, I, I i have heard uh uh we got to keep the bloody welsh out of <laughs> out of england or a, a few times and like yeah. i don't know why I don't know where that came from. I don't know anything about Welsh, but the poor Welsh. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I've heard I've heard those things. The poor um, Welsh. But yeah. it, but it's like you know, if somebody has a, a an opinion on like, um, uh, well, I'm good with immigration, but it needs to be done this way. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait, you're not a fan of open borders? Fuck you, you racist! Like it's always yeah. Like even the people that have like what they believe to be genuine intentions, mm-hmm. you can't hear them anymore. Nobody wants that, and I and I think that's why what you're doing with your music is important because sometimes that works. Mm. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, not a lot because nobody wants to hear that shit. They hear queer artists and they want nothing to do with it. But every once in a while an artist with an opposing point of view to somebody's personal uh, beliefs will creep in. I have certainly changed opinions that I've had yeah. uh, through by music and film. Yeah. Um, you know, a film, I won't say which way I went, but a, a documentary changed my very hard opinion on being pro or anti-death penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, that stuff has happened. It, yeah. And uh, I think we talked a long time ago, Moosh, like, um, there's a song by Disturbed off their third album that changed completely the way I look at life just because, and I don't even know if that was the intention of the lyrics, right? but it threw me down a mental rabbit hole of analyzing certain things. Yeah. Yeah. I right? think, yeah, no, I get it. I think like art and creativity, it, it allows people to like critically think in like a safe space. Like mm-hmm. you're not, you know, if you're at home and you're in a comfortable and safe environment and you put on this film and it makes you go like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, this yeah. just changed my entire life. It's like, I feel like doing that through art and doing it through a place of like a, a true and authentic intention is so much more valuable in actually helping people to understand what you're trying to say as opposed to just like, shouting at them in facebook comments or like does that not work <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't think wait, so wait so when i type in all caps and no one's actually listening like... <laughs> i could be wrong but i don't i don't think so um <laughs> no, yeah like yeah like i i think you're what you're saying though i feel the exact same way like i i feel like 
through film, through through songs, through poetry, anything like that, you know, anything that's come from someone. And it's not, my kind of viewpoint is always that like, you can't attack someone and attack someone's beliefs and expect for them to want to be open-minded. You know, like it, it just doesn't work that way. Like if someone's shouting at you being like, oh, you're wrong and you're this and you're that. It doesn't make someone want to then have compassion or understand things differently. It just makes well, them and want now to, they, yeah. And now they associate whatever your opinion was with assholes. Yeah, literally. Yeah, right. so yeah, totally. Yeah. No no one's been yelled at by a Karen and said, hey, you know what, Karen, you're right. <laughs> yeah, literally. Even if she is right, she's no longer right. right because Yeah, yeah. just because of the way she approached the situation. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think like <laughs> that for me is a big thing. Like having, having compassion towards people who otherwise are quite, because I think especially as a queer person, but I can imagine it's, you know, it, it's awful for, for people of colour, for trans people too, when someone hates the group of people that you're that you're a part of, someone hates the community you're a part of. And it's like, as much as it doesn't, it's not supposed to be personal, it is. Like, because there's so many queer people around the world and, you know, some boomer on Facebook being like, oh, fuck all these gay people you know whatever <laughs> it's like as much as it's he, this person's talking about a, a community of people it's not just you it's hard not to take it personally when that's part of who you are and it's such a strong thing and I think for me I've had to go through the motions of dealing with that and understanding that I can be angry about it and I can be upset about it and I don't need to excuse people being hateful but equally if I can't have compassion or be open to the fact that people's opinions come from somewhere, it's not, they don't just wake up and decide like, well, majority of people at least don't wake up and decide I'm just going to be an asshole today for no, it depends like, on which side of the bed I'm getting up on. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like majority of the time people have their views and they have them for a reason. And I think having compassion despite the fact that it's hateful is the best way for me to be able to continue making art and try not to, to worry so much about, because uh, yeah, like we were talking before, like social media and the way it sort of polarizes people. It's like, I'm very much left wing in terms of my political standpoints, but equally it's like, there's always, there's always grey area. You're never, I never have one solid opinion. Like it could be about anything. I'm not 100% one side of it. Do you know, there's yeah. always, there's always a different point, but social media doesn't thrive. If people can critically think it thrives, if people <laughs> literally, like yeah, if people yeah. have yes. one opinion and they just keep that opinion and react to more content and share things and yeah i don't know you anyway. know we, we, were <laughs> we were talking about movies earlier have either of you seen american history x I've yes i love that movie it's okay uh, uh i i would suggest it to anybody it, it yeah. is uh it's a little it's graphic there's a very famous graphic scene in yes. that movie yes, yes yes actually there's a few but one in particular that that um 
uh, is in there, but it, it stars Edward Norton, and it, he is a uh, he's a neo Nazi, mm-hmm. and um, basically he kills uh, a few black people, ends up going to prison, and finds out that his entire organization is bullshit. Yeah. And while he's in prison, his little brother, who's played by Edward Furlong, who is John Connor in Terminator 2, uh, <laughs> has gone down the same path as he was in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's an incredible movie, but he gets some something terrible happens to him uh, by the uh, the supremacists or uh, Nazis or whatever in prison. And this old like advisor teacher of his, who's an older black guy, mm. is witnessing edward norton in this moment as his most at his most vulnerable he's ever been and one of the things he says to him is has anything you've done made your life better Mm -hmm. and i think people are just scared yeah that's what it is they're scared um but nothing they're doing is making it better i used to talk politics all the time Mm. uh i don't anymore there's because you're not changing any minds there's no reason to do so and i have very few people that i will have that discussion with yeah um but people are are scared like everybody is so concerned with identity yeah and and i feel like and and I, i feel like even on the left as the left is really looking at their identity right now as mm. well as the right the the left is trying to gain it and the right is looking at your gain is my loss even though it's got nothing to do with me yeah. and the left is fighting for it so hard mm. that it leaves certain people that would otherwise be okay with it out of it at the same time because then you add in that factor of what we were talking about yeah you identify with this argument this way of life this train of thought therefore that whole thing defines you And I can't be a part of that. So no, Megan, we're not going to talk about our favorite office moments. (laughs) Right. So anyway, you know, sometimes, sometimes music should just be for fun. Yeah. Hey, I see what you did there. I I just, I just caught on to it. It's my own song. and I just caught on to it. You got anything you want to say about this before we play it? Um, This song is basically me kind of like, I don't know, like, sometimes when traumatic things happen, I'm like, trauma, whatever, like, woo, like, yay, let's, like, just, yeah. So it's kind of about it's more, that. It's more, sing- it's more material. Yeah, right? exactly. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I do, that crosses my mind. Whenever something traumatic happens, I go, oh, I could maybe make some money out of this. Who knows? The, um, those bastards <laughs> did not get my order right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about it. <laughs> um, but this song is, yeah, it's kind of, it, again, it's it's part of my my new EP, and um, it's essentially me dealing with trauma, but in my my own way. So yeah. All right, here we go, just for fun. I go ahead, go ahead, go, go ahead. No, I'm, go ju- ahead. I'm just gonna say, like, I I really enjoyed all of your music, but that that song is just in a genre for me it, it, the tempo the double time of the drums uh the way you mix your vocals the crazy sounds going on in the background uh the guitar tone all of that this is my favorite track oh thank you yeah i, I, I was i was gonna pick you back on that song. for sure yeah this 
I, I wanted to be like, hey, we you know we ha- we've been talking a lot about, you know, uh, politics and sexuality mm-hmm. and identity and all these like really like heavy topics. Mm-hmm. But I would love to switch gears and just talk about like your production on this, your like how you wrote the song. Like, I want to be in the studio with you. Like, take me through the studio when you wrote this song or yeah. recorded the song. Like, it, I really enjoyed like the um the dynamics the the journey the song kind of takes you on we had stank face man oh yeah got the stank <laughs> that's face that's when you know that's always <laughs> that's when you know yeah <laughs> um so i mean for in terms of the production of this song so this was before i started recording my own stuff so i went to a studio in edinburgh and a guy called mark morrow mixed this he's amazing amazing producer um but yeah the the actual song so it was kind of funny, but basically we went in for a day. We booked like a day of recording and we recorded honestly like about 50 guitar tracks. Like my guitarists were like, what about this? What about that? And it got <laughs> to the point where I was like, this is fucking chaos, man. Like there was just so many guitars on it. So we went back, <laughs> we went back and re-recorded it. And that's when we kind of played about with all the synthy noises at the end. Um... In terms of writing the song, I just wanted to write something like it was just the way I was feeling. Like how I, I kind of wanted it to just be fun, like because it's it's about trauma. Like there's a lyric in it that's like, "Do I taste just how you want me to?" And it's very uncomfortable. And like, um, I kind of just wanted to make people feel a bit uneasy with it. Like I can't explain what it was. Like I wanted it to have that like punchy, catchy thing, but equally to be a bit like less palatable in terms of my lyrics just to sort of like push myself a little bit out of my comfort zone um and yeah the the funky bass line was was me too so yes you played the bass i didn't play it no i got someone else to record it but i i wrote the bass line i always have i always have bass lines going on in my head like 24 7 awesome (laughs) uh uh i actually i think one of our upcoming episodes is going to be on on bass um yeah yeah there's sure to be some funk in there oh yeah it's gotta be but (laughs) it's um sometimes and Mm -hmm. i remember i remember uh talking to uh brown bear about this yeah um sometimes you you got like we don't have we don't have the time before we interview an artist there's there's kind of a short period to like live with their music long enough so maybe i'll feel differently about it especially after what you just said about your lyrics making you or you wanted you wanted to add something uncomfortable to it Mm -hmm. i didn't feel uncomfortable i appreciated it i love um i love the chorus uh when you say um uh god what was the line before uh freedom in the mess you're in but the one before it um, I'm glad I you find, don't remember I find, it either. Though. No, I, <laughs> I, I find do the exact comfort same thing. in my own pain. Yes, I find comfort in my own pain and freedom in the mess I'm in. Yeah, uh, like those, those are those lyrics. I, I I always pay attention to lyrics when yeah. I'm listening, and mostly the feeling I had when I was when I've listened to this is, you know, damn, this is a banging track like this tracks a bop but at the same time when i listen to the lyrics i go that's clever that is a very clever Mm. uh straightforward and also very poetic uh way to sort of challenge 
the trauma because like mm. um and and i like that and moose i'm sure you do too but like yeah. where moose oh, yeah. and i are very very different is moose likes emo music Oh. Where they like, sure. where they yeah. like live in that trauma. They don't want to dig out of the hole. They want to dig it deeper, and like, <laughs> that's that's how Moose. Like that's that's what resonates with him. Mm. Um, that's not what resonate re- resonates with me. And because of that, like I really appreciated the yeah. the poetry and directness, even of of that line that you have in there. Thank you. Yeah, I think it was it was supposed to be a kind of. I don't know. I feel like everyone, everyone has trauma. I feel like it's just being a human being. Like we're all just on this like weird floating rock. None of us know what's going on. It's kind of traumatic in itself, right? And yeah. like, I just kind of felt like I wanted to, to address my own, my own comfort with being tra- like being in that state of trauma. Like you do things you don't even realize you do that's just like unhealthy habits or like random things that you do and you just get used to them like they're comfortable and I think that was my my sort of reasoning for this was I'd noticed how comfortable I'd gotten with just my own personal unhealthy habits and not you know it was it was kind of supposed to be that sort of nod to to mental health and to talking about it but in a way that just felt kind of funky baseline kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so with, with, with that, um, mm. mental health is, I, I just, I, the, the older generation, mm. um, I, I, I don't want to use the word boomer because that's like, that's, that's a slur now. Apparently I've been called oh. Like that's my grandparents. Like Jesus. Um, I'm sorry for a, using boomer earlier on. I didn't know that was a. No, that I, was I, 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 I don't care. Okay. Yeah, I, don't I, don't. I call my mom a boomer all the time. Fair <laughs> enough. Sorry to all the boomers out there. Anyway. Nah. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it's it's become a slur over here. But in all honesty, uh, I I I like I said, I have an offensive sense of humor. I really don't care. But my yeah. my point is, is like when it when it comes to mental health and trauma and stuff like that like mm. i always hate when i hear the older generation say like rub it in our faces that we have it better than they did isn't that isn't that the point yeah isn't the sure point right. of every generation to make it better for the next one and then mm. to rub their noses in it like oh you you guys you guys uh, you know healthcare is now a right uh, you know, it used to be a privilege. Like you guys, you guys have everything handed to you, and it's like that shit still takes half my paycheck. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, like. Uh, but when it comes to like the mental health stuff, like one one nod to the older generation is it was they did have it harder. Yeah, like the further back you go, the harder things were. Because yeah. even at the time, like you go back to the Mad Men days where, it, you know, the whole James Brown, it, this is a man's world and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, like it was still difficult for everybody involved. Like OSHA wasn't where it is now. Uh, we have a, a, a government federal agency that like pays attention to workplace safety. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have that over there or not. Um, but when it comes to mental health, I just I wonder how 
they were able to just deal with it. Like my, I wonder how my parents were able to deal with very different issues than we deal with nowadays. Uh, again, like it wasn't, you know, the, the climate was working on getting ready to murder us all, but it wasn't on the news every day. Yeah. Right. Uh, but like right. they, they still had their issues and I, I don't know how they were able to suck that up, bury it and, and, and move on with it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, as, as you, as you, as you grow older, you forget that you were a teenager. Like you forget that you had like hope and ideologies <laughs> in your brain. Like as you grow older, you kind of like, you become more, I don't want to say a realist, but you become more like, um, hyper-focused in your own, like, Oh, all my experiences have grown to this. And now I'm this yeah. grumpy old person. I feel like that's, that's a modern trend that mm. like, I mean, the boomers that we're talking about, the older generation, like they lived the sixties and seventies. They lived that free lifestyle where it's like, Hey, we're going to listen to Led Zeppelin or, you know, do, you know, drugs and sex and rock and roll and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Like that was, that was the, the fun. And then they grew out of that. And now they're just like, Oh, these kids are out there having fun and drugs and sex. And it's terrible. It's like, dude, you I fucking hate it. Yeah. I can't <laughs> Get do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally going to say that. Um... <laughs> but it's like, you can as you get older, you kind of forget that you had that same, like, I, I don't want to say carefree, but that same like optimism. Um, mm. and I, I, I don't think there's a lot of older people that have optimism anymore. Yeah. And yeah, they, they, no, blame, I, they blame us for it. They blame the younger generation mm. for it. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're, you're right in terms of that. They, they definitely have, um, in terms of, this like disadvantage, you know, growing up and not having even any awareness about mental health must have You're been right. horrendous. But equally, when I think of like, you know, generational trauma is a thing and like, it's kind of like, yeah, you guys didn't talk about mental health. So now we have to like make up for like the grandparents not dealing with their mental health, the parents <laughs> not, do you know what I mean? Like it right. feels like it's a, it's a constant loop and I feel very privilege the fact that now there's this open conversation which should have happened a long time ago you know um and equally I get what you mean in terms of the older generations like if I asked my gran how long it took her to walk to school you know I would be like <laughs> I feel like uphill a both ways 10 <laughs> feet of snow in yeah. my socks <laughs> literally so I, I think there is this thing of like there is almost a bit of um pleasure that they take in in being like well back when i was younger it was much harder and, and I'm it's better kind for of like, it you know it's usually yeah. what they say i'm better for it because i had to struggle now you don't yeah. have to struggle and it's like no, there's still a lot of struggle out there <laughs> there is yeah and yeah. I, I i agree like i think i think personally when when i'm older I want to have the mentality of looking back and being like, okay, I went so far to here so that the next generation of people can go further. Like it, it feels like that, that should be what we aim to do as humans is to like learn and then let other people kind of benefit. Yeah. yeah not yeah, It build off of what we've already done so far and kind of feel the benefits of that. And equally now, you know, there's um, 
there's a lot of opportunity for the older generations to now explore their own mental health and kind of make up for that if that's what they want to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I just think we should talk about it. It's just a thing, you know. It needs to be talked about. Yeah, just, yeah, just normalize it, normalize it, normalize, <laughs> yeah. you know, mental health, normalize it to where it, it, it isn't like a, oh, we shouldn't talk about that. You know, just yeah. We all have to pay taxes. Yeah. I don't know why it's got to be anything different than that, right? Yeah, um, So uh, the next track mm-hmm. is Sweet Bisexual, and I chose the reimagined version that cool. you have on Spotify. Yeah. Um. As I listen, so th- this came out in 2021 or 22. So this, this came out, um, technically both. This is, this is a weird one. So Sweet Bisexual came out as a single off of my album, um, at the end of 2021 and then was released mm-hmm. with the album. And then I did a reimagined version of it which came out just in April of this year. So technically 2021, 22 and 23 for some reason, but yeah. So uh, what I want to try to do with this one, mm. um, is, cause I really enjoyed what happened with uh, the conversation we had leading up to San Francisco yeah, uh, and learning that you hadn't been there. And this song is written from your imagination of what you've learned and everything about it. So is there any, possibility uh that we talked about fur coat queen and that was your you said that was like your your coming out song yeah um this song uh sweet bisexual talks about some of these labels and identities and stuff and and i do want to talk more about that and and get an understanding of, of where you're coming from from it but is this in any way sort of an updated version of fur coat queen in the sense that like you you've come out you've been out for a few years and uh, as as great artists always do you're always progressing in your craft Mm. is this sort of a follow-up to how you felt a few years before when you wrote fur coat queen yeah i mean it definitely is like i wrote fur coat queen when i was 18 maybe and recorded it when i was 19 and i think at that age you just know nothing (laughs) I knew nothing anyway. Um, And I feel like having a few years, I feel like when you come out as a queer person, it's like, oh, you're like a little baby. Like you're like a little baby (laughs) queer person. Like you've got so much... A wee bairn. Yeah, a wee bairn, yeah. You've got so much like (laughs) exploring to do and trying to like discover things about yourself. And this song was basically... I didn't know this. So I, I, one thing I kind of want to sort of touch on, it's something I've not really learned until recently, is that I think people seem to think that if you are, if you belong to a certain community or a certain um, group within society, that you know a lot about the kind of topic. So like, I felt like when I came out as queer, I should have known everything about being queer. I didn't know that biphobia was a thing. So I didn't know that people could ha- hold this prejudice, like other queer people could hold a, a prejudice towards bisexual people just because. Really? Yeah. We didn't. I didn't like, know that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mad. There's like a kind of a weird, like, I feel like the queer community, like 
I owe everything to the queer community. Like I, most of my friends are queer and I really do feel a sense of belonging in terms of as a queer person. But as, as a queer person, I just came out as bisexual because I didn't really know what else to call it. Like I couldn't really decide. And when I did, it was met with a lot of like, really quite rude comments um, that I feel like people who decided that they were gay or lesbian or straight, it was like, they have a definitive answer. Again, this sort of like polarizing thing of you, you're either yeah. one thing or you're uh, the other. So, so you're back to earlier in the episode, you're talking about confusion. Yeah. You're just confused. Yeah. Is, is sort of the message that you're receiving. Yeah. So even from within that community. Yeah. Even within it. Like I remember, um, uh, talking with someone who identified as a lesbian and she was saying that um, she was asking me questions about stuff and then she said oh so I take it you're you just fancy everybody um, like you're just attracted to everybody and it was like well no obviously not like you I still don't... have a type right like yeah like it just yeah it, it felt like that and then equally like you know people I came out to would say stuff like oh I think you're just being trendy like I don't, I don't think you're actually bi. I think you're just trying to be trendy. And it's like, honestly, this doesn't feel very trendy. Like it doesn't feel cool. <laughs> like I, I don't. I, yeah. Um. So I kind of wanted to write this just as a way of like, I feel like queer people and everybody really in general, but I think especially queer people, it feels like when you come out that you should have all the answers. Like you should know how to be good in bed with other women when like how would you know how to do that like it just there's so many unanswered things in general and I think for queer people we really get the brunt of it of like is this homophobic and you're like I don't know I mean maybe to some people it is but to me it's not like it, it's so it can be so difficult to try and understand yourself whilst also having to answer for like a community of people when it's like a spectrum and it just doesn't. Yeah. yeah. It feels like in, in almost every community uh, globally, there's mm. a weird sense of hierarchy within yeah. those communities. Yeah. And it, it, I don't know how to even like, how to even approach that or, or talk about it because it's just, it's such a, a cultural thing that you just you kind of fill into like you, you as mm -hmm. whatever community you're in you know glo literally globally like yeah we talked about that with brown bear yeah and it's like yeah. there's even like in the asian community like there's a hierarchy in the asian community towards like mm -hmm. they hold like chinese and japanese higher up on the hierarchy than like thai and it's just like it's a weird and yeah i don't it's not something to like, believe or not believe in but it's such a weird like culture of humanity that also i guess is a part of mental health in a, in a weird way yeah. it's it's new information to me that i'm still trying to understand and and digest yeah. and it it's you find I that in we're all the at, different communities uh, yeah i think what we're getting at is uh being anything doesn't necessarily make you better people in general suck. yeah yeah yes. <laughs> so all right let, let's uh we're, we'll continue this conversation but let's <laughs> let's throw in your response so this is the reimagined version of sweet bisexual megan black
All right, Megan. This has been the track mm -hmm. that I've been wanting to get your take on more than any other one. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking about gender fluidity, yes. the spectrum, uh, and the spectrum of sexuality. And as we were discussing leading into this song and a lot of your lyrics, again, with the, the spoken word uh, part at the end, um, I don't need a label to tell me who to be. Um, and uh, the other lyric was um, like, whatever that uh, you, you said, I, I'm not straight enough. I'm not, uh, you know, gay enough. Um, that, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a fan of labels. Yeah. Well, little and little I'm, I'm, little double entendre there, because you're an indie artist, right? So you don't have, mm -hmm. you're not signed to a label. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need a label. <laughs> oh, this song was about being an indie artist the whole time. You never know. Um, yeah. What is what is what is your take on on those labels? I like just, on the labels of sexuality and gender. Yeah, I. I it's a hard one. I think. There's sometimes too much importance placed on it. And I think it can really trap people a bit. Like if you're told like, okay, you need to make a choice. Like, what are you? <laughs> you know, it's like this whole thing of like constantly having to have an identity and belong to something. And sometimes you just don't have to have that worked out. Or if you do, you don't have to justify it to other people. I think... I don't know. I, I I personally think people should identify however they choose and whoever makes them most comfortable. And looking back now, I wish when I came out that I just told people to mind their own business. I wish I'd, I still would have came out because it felt like the right thing to do. But equally, for me, I felt like because I'd come out and especially come out in a song and then that song gathered a bit of attention and like trying to talk about it and trying to have everything figured out really just made me feel like I was putting myself into more of a box than before I'd come out. Um, so this song was just a sort of way of kind of, yeah, just being I, like, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big so, middle finger. Like, yeah. yeah. Do, do you know, do you know who George Carlin is? Um, I don't think so. Again, I'm not, I feel like if you like showed me something this person's okay. done, I'd maybe know, but I don't I'll, know. I'll add a link. I'll add a link in there too. Yes. Um, so <laughs> he's one of the, uh, he's one of the greatest comedians of all time, mm. but he's also my, f him and, uh, local to you, Billy Connolly. Oh yeah. Uh, are two of my favorite comedians of all time. Mm. Um, and one of the things, so George Carlin did a lot of commentary on social stuff. He did a yeah. lot of politics and religion too, but it was really all focused on people. And um, there was an there was a uh, interview with him one day where the interviewer asked, "Do you hate people? Because, damn, dude, like all <laughs> you do is roast humanity in yeah. all of your sets ever since like the eighties." Um, and he said, "No." People are the greatest thing in this world. I love people. Mm. It's when they start grouping up that yeah. I have a problem. And 
so it's like it's hard for me to agree with that and then say no i'm fine with the gay community i'm fine with black lives Matter. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds contradictory but at my uh, at my core i guess what i want to ask you is 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 being a human being so special that everything needs to be put into a box and then if that's the case where do those boxes end wouldn't it be easier to just be an individual i'm not special Mm. i'm just me and that may mean that i'm this right now and i may involve into that later yeah and like that's the fluidity that i that i understand and 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 get uh i think everybody goes through changes maybe it's not gender maybe it's not sexual maybe it is your politics maybe it is your religion but i always had the idea of like okay no one's that special Mm. but but at the same time why not just be you like and it sounds like in this song you you sort of are touching on this from what i gather yeah i mean i think I do agree. I think there's an element of kind of as we were talking about pride um, before, I think these things have to exist in order for people to deal with the oppression that they've faced. And I think in an ideal world, it'd be great if people could just rock up and no one's like, what are you? Like, are you one of the gays? Are you not? Like, um, but I think make it sound like an invasion of something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much. Um, but it's it's like I think the the queer community does have to exist, and and organisations, you know, supporting Black Lives Matter, they have to exist because people who are involved in these communities otherwise don't get to just be an individual and have the same respect that. Yeah other people do um so i think they're important i think they're 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 very vital i mean i can't speak on the experiences of black people but all i can say is i i think black lives matter is amazing for for being able to to actually support people and to raise awareness and to kind of cut through the bullshit a bit of like yeah you know the well, in the opposition mm. to those groups, they're yeah. oppressed for a reason. They're oppressed because they have an opposition, and those oppositions have organizations. Yeah, yeah. Those oppositions have have that. So you you do, uh, and I do understand. Can't relate, mm. but I do understand that you need the community for a few reasons. You need it to validate that there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, what you are right. is not wrong. You're not flawed and uh very much like we were talking about um fur coat queen like everybody needs a mentor to deal with everything from what we've talked about to their career to uh you know their relationships in life life in general everybody needs those things yeah um so i that that I'm I'm totally with that. That that makes um that makes complete sense. Whenever mm. you oppose one group, you're gonna create another. Yeah. Um but I do I do really respect 
the lyrics of this song in the sense of having some confusion around categories yeah and boxes and like wait no i want box a and box l (laughs) and the societal rules at the moment say i there's no possible way that i can be in those two if i'm in box a that means only these boxes are available yeah but i feel like i need to i feel like i should be that one um Mm -hmm. and I, i i feel like uh for people that don't have friends or family um and i feel fortunate that I have a blend. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we only have straight white males on the show, but you know, I know more people than Brad and, and Moosh alone, <laughs> right? Yeah. They have their own family circles. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I mean, the thing is, is uh, I feel like, uh, and this is the other question I wanted to ask you is a lot, a, a lot of people, especially in the LGBT community and the black community are coming out and saying, it's not my responsibility to educate you Mm, yeah how so with that though i mean i'm taking advantage of this interview Mm. to get an education on somebody that's lived a very different life in a totally different country totally different continent yeah to be educated in a sense to better understand things um do you feel like your music can help with that education without making it a personal thing like megan what are you and tell me why Mm -hmm. it's like I'm putting music together. Yeah. To, to help. Is that kind of an inspiration for you when you're creating art? I think so. I think myself as, as an artist, I think um, whenever I'm on stage, I'm very like flamboyant and very out there and people think I'm super confident and I'm very different from that in kind of a day-to-day sense I would say I'm a lot more introverted and probably if I didn't create art and I didn't create music I wouldn't be talking about these things as openly I would just because mm. it, it, I don't have that same level of courage without attaching it to music um, Yeah, and that's mainly why I've done it is just because I'm like I'm in a position where I can do this and I can talk about it in this way Um. But personally, for me, I feel like my own experience is always going to be different from from someone else's. But my main my main reason for making any music I make is for my younger self. That's always my like go to hmm. thing. I'm always like, would younger Megan enjoy this or feel validated by this? Because I spent so much time not you know, just expressing myself the way I wanted to um, and not being able to do that as much as I would like to. And I think now that I can, I'm like, okay, I make it for younger Megan first. And then if other people get something from it, that's great. Um, that That is such an amazing insight. Thank you. Yeah. That's that I've, I've never heard an artist say that in our interviews or, or others that like, there's, there's the ones that say like, you know, I got a voice, I've thought about all these things and now I want to put that stuff out there. Mm -hmm. But like to have that perspective of, I'm going to say some things and put it in a way that me five, 10 years ago would have appreciated having Mm -hmm. around. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. No, I, I think like, 
it's just my way of doing things. And equally, I think with this song in particular, with Sweet Bisexual, it was a way for me to equally put it out there that we have permission to change. Like we have, whether it's in our queerness, whether it's in our views, whether it's in anything, like if nothing else, I hope that that song can give people, whether it's when they come to my gigs or anything, that they feel like they have permission to not have to give people definite answers of who they are. Because we're all, you know, we learn new things about ourselves every day. Like one day I'll try, I remember the first time I ever tried olives and I decided that I liked them. And before then I didn't. <laughs> like it's it can be anything. Like we, yeah. we, we change as people, we change our views. And I feel like that's I, okay. I would... Like it, we need permission to do it. Totally. I would say one thing we can take away from this entire episode is being mm. human means being ambiguous. Yeah. It means it means evolution and yeah. the only way to escape escape that is to die. Yeah. If you're not if you're not evolving, <laughs> you're not living. I mean, honestly. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Cheery point um, for for a Sunday. But yeah, no, it's yeah. it's true. <laughs> <laughs> we keep it real around here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so uh Getting to your new tracks off yes. your EP that is coming out. Uh, wait, hold on. It's already out. It'll right? Co- by the time this episode By the drops? time this episode airs, it will be out. Yeah. Right. Okay. So Megan Black's new EP just dropped. We've already played a few songs uh, just for fun. Mother, Sister, Lover um, off of this. But we're going to get into some stuff that at this point time of recording, nobody has heard yet. Uh, Mush and I got, got the, uh, pleasure of listening to this stuff, um, over the weekend. Fuck you. You want to talk about that? Um, <laughs> Fuck you is a track off of this new album. Yeah. Um, how do you want to introduce this, Megan? Um, this song is just me telling someone to go fuck themselves pretty much. Um, so, so a normal day in Scotland, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's me being nice. Um, yeah, right, yeah, no, right. it's um, this song. Honestly, <laughs> we've been very deep this whole episode. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm like being very like deep, but anyway, let's just go with it. Um, this <laughs> this song is actually um, a kind of nod to the Me Too movement and my own experience with um, sexual assault. So it was my way of putting it into a song and being able to kind of speak up again for previous Megan. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much it.
First off, I'm sorry that that trauma happened to you. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Secondly, that song kicked ass. Oh, thank you. That was a plan. (laughs) Yeah. I. uh, I. Oh man. Um. I I had a hard. I was. I was rocking out to this song over the weekend, Mm. and when I realized that the four-letter words you can't say wasn't the word fuck. Cause that's what I thought it was. Yeah. Um, I had a hard time rocking to it this time. Yeah. Uh, I was really just paying attention to the lyrics, which were, is, I, I, I honestly, like I, um, fuck. Uh, <laughs> my, my favorite lyric, I, my I, favorite lyric in the what, song was, I don't damn it. Moosh. <laughs> so well, you were taking too I've, long. I finally found my words. <laughs> oh, okay, say your words then. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> um, damn it. Now, now. I, okay, so it, it's. I think it's admirable and uh, courageous to, and fortunate. Seriously, fortunate mm-hmm. that you are in the profession that you're in Thank you. to put such a rocking song together with something tied to something so terrible yeah that somebody else can rock out to this and find it musically uh just phenomenal it's a bop and again with the spoken word at the end um mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's i i want to say it's a silver lining, but having no premise or foundation to relate to that, I feel like saying it's a silver lining that you have this voice to share these things is trivializing the trauma itself, and that's not my intention. No, I don't. I, I agree. I think I think it is a silver lining for me, at least. Anyway, it is. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think you're. Okay. Well, that, that's, what she says. that's what I was trying to say and I was like how the hell do I put this <laughs> yeah it no, sounds I mean, like in the, in the lyrics and the the message of the song is like you 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 find comfort 
in this mm. anger like you've you've accepted that this this happened to you and it yeah. used to say me too and now you say fuck you and so yeah. you're you finding that comfort line. yeah that, that was my favorite lyric in the whole that life that one line. stuck out to me um and i was like that's that's a powerful line and you mm-hmm. you're now like you it sounds like you you found acceptance and now you kind of live in this hatred uh for this individual and it's just like yeah fuck you and that that's your that's your like solace moment it's like fuck you like, yeah i'm, I'm the, comfortable here now the, the so the two things like the two realizations i had listening to this was was again when i realized fuck wasn't the four-letter word yeah um and the other one was you sort of made fun of this piece of shit <laughs> um for not lasting longer yeah thank you i'm glad you know <laughs> like like the, like seriously I, I, don't, I don't i don't know anything about you but this has to be one of if not the most traumatic point in your life and you're basically saying like my trauma moment mm. didn't last long enough because you're a bitch yeah. <laughs> like, like that takes such balls figuratively speaking <laughs> to say like that, thank you it's such a I baller mean, move like just mic drop that moment you know <laughs> the, the, those were the two lyrics that like took me completely by, by surprise and mm. i was like oh fuck like yeah just ins- insulting the fact that this person could not in a position that they were obviously 100 percent in control of couldn't control themselves yeah and hitting them <laughs> as hard below the belt as you possibly could yeah like that that's again like just so courageous and Thank clever Thank to put you. in there yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to try and rap on a song and that was like my sort of like journey into it and i remember like thinking of that line like because i do i say like at least last like well, you go off on another fucking spree. It's all the same to me, but at least last longer. Ha. And it was like, do I put this in there? Is this too far? And I was like, fuck it. I'll just do it. It'll be fine. <laughs> well, for that, um, we thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it God damn. That, mm. I, you, I don't get rendered speechless, Megan, <laughs> as Moosh will tell you very often. <laughs> Um, I, I don't, I don't even know what else to say about it because I feel like I need to listen to it a few more times mm-hmm. at least until I get the ability to vibe to it again. Because again, like this is another yeah. song I was excited to play. Um, and then all of a sudden it was, it just took on a very different meaning and I need to, as we were discussing before, like live with your music a bit longer Yeah. Yeah. Uh, than, than what we've had a chance to so far, but God damn, I, I, I tip my figurative hat to you thank you that was that was amazing i think i wanted to write a song as well like within this context i wanted it to feel somewhat empowering and like my favorite part about being an artist is performing live like that's my favorite bit and just like getting to just shout fuck you was like so much fun so it it definitely um, i can i can see like i've never seen you live and i would love mm. to and i would love to see you perform this song live because the the break that you have for the fuck poem yeah like that would be so badass to like be an audience member and shout that with you yeah that was kind of my my um my vision for it and i think as well like i kind of wanted it to be something that's not it doesn't need to be too on the nose where it just like triggers people because it like as much as this is about my own experience it's it's such like a a common experience unfortunately and um i kind of wanted it to have that 
that bit of like people can just vibe along to it but equally I noticed like even just as I've been promoting the EP I put like some snippets of the lyrics and people who seem to get it got it if that makes sense which was really cool like just being like whoa like I understand so I, I feel like it's it's nice that it, it works on different levels and people don't have to relate to the experience to still just like vibe along to it which it's is nice. well, and, and hashtag that's a, if you know you know <laughs> yeah and, and and honestly like that's really cool to add as like a like an easter egg mm. to your fans the ones that get it get it the other ones are just going to enjoy it for the music that it is yeah um no that's god damn that was um <laughs> yeah that was that was amazing i loved it mm -hmm. and uh, yes i would love I would love to see you perform live. That would be awesome. I'm trying to get my ass over to Europe next year. Oh, and Scotland, yeah. Scotland is one of those places. Well, I, we we were going to just do a trip to Europe. And then mm. as the show started taking off and we started meeting these other artists and, and DJs and things like that, I'm like, fuck that. We're just going to do England and Scotland because that's mm. where the majority of these people are um, and just go hang out with them. Um, yeah. I'm going to send your, uh, I'm going to send our, our friend Rich over at unheard indie your stuff. Oh, thank you. Um, he's, he's got a huge following. Yeah. That man listens to more music than uh, I have in my entire life yeah. every month. Like wow. it's, it's, uh, it's ungodly the amount of music this guy listens to. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so he's, he's at unheard indie. His name's rich. He's a great guy. We're working on getting him back on the show at some point in the Ooh. near future. But uh, it'll it'll he's got a huge audience that he can throw you out to. And nice. I, I know he's going to love what you got. Thank um, you. Yeah. So looking forward to meeting all of you guys one day. Maybe yes. a few of you, maybe one of you sooner than later. Yeah. Come right. to us. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. All right. We got one more one more track to play. Uh, and that is also off of the full circle part one EP. And that is me versus Mother Nature. Yeah. Um, I, for whatever reason, couldn't find this song, even though it was right in front of me. Um, <laughs> so I have not listened to this yet. Mm. It's quite a long one. Um, but this song, basically, I went to a writing retreat at the start of this year. Um, and it was, Brown Bear was actually at this same retreat as well. Oh, no um, shit. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. I know, well, I know he does that type of stuff. We talked about it. That's awesome. Yeah. I was just like, hey, man. How's it going? <laughs> um, <laughs> he's great. He's he's so cool. But um, we were in a, a workshop and there was a, a songwriter called Corrine Polworth, who is like a Scottish folk artist. She's amazing. Um, mm. And she was leading us talk about how she gets inspiration from nature. And, you know, for me, my inspiration is like anger. So I was like, ah, oh, fuck, like, what am I going <laughs> to write about? And I went a walk in the woods and got lost and ended up writing this song. And it's um, kind of about climate change and, yeah, just hopes of kind of raising a bit of awareness. So, yeah. All right. Me versus Mother Nature.
something i want to i want to point out that i don't know if this was an intention of yours or something that mm-hmm. i just kind of gathered like you versus mother nature me versus mother nature um i i love dynamics in songs i love when a song yeah. isn't just the same volume all the way through unless it's punk rock mm-hmm. that's what punk rock does yeah. um you started off slow it was a nice build. You had that great crescendo and like right, mm-hmm. right before like that, uh, you, you kind of fall back down to the quiet part in the middle and you kind of come back, balance out and then a nice soft ending. It's just yeah. a nice wave of, of, um, of sound throughout the entire song. And I, I loved every moment of it and having listened, mm-hmm. um, you can actually see what's, what's cool about having soundcloud up as you can see like mm-hmm. that rise and fall like, over the uh the um transients yeah and thinking about the topic of the song being mother nature and being an observer of what mother nature is going through and climate change and the changes that we're all kind of we don't really see as day-to-day but mm-hmm. over time we see this the change that's happening as, yeah. as we're keeping records but it's cool to see like if you 
take the length of the song and those transients and kind of see like the soft intro is like earth was doing just fine before humans started coming in and fucking <laughs> shit up yeah and then you wow. have that crescendo to where it's like dude industrial revolution we've got all this chaos going we're just polluting the shit out of it and then mm-hmm. bam the fall like yeah maybe nuclear winter i don't know maybe humans are barely surviving ba- barely hanging on and then they kind of build back up and nature is like good again and then yeah. we're just kind of as humans progress i mean i'm thinking like we're going, you know, thousands of years ago to thousands of years in the future. I'm looking at the yeah. grand scope of things, man. I'm taking this like Moose. What? Moose. Am I- you just found poetry in her transient? <laughs> <laughs> That's a fu- I see exactly what you're talking about. Right? Yeah, that, me is, too. that is a first. It's like holy shit. I, I feel I'm watching a lot of Doctor Who because I'm excited for the 60th <laughs> anniversary that's coming up. And if you watch a lot of Doctor Who, you see all the different times frames that he's gone mm. through throughout uh the planet um wow yeah Nerd do you know alert. i would uh, i would love to Jesus. say that that was intentional it really no, you can't you can you can take yeah. that yeah you I heard it, your first post <laughs> artistic accidents are the yeah. best Ugh. um i so for me like as far as uh the music goes this was a very different sound yeah from you that, that i that i've heard i i loved it i honestly think um showing off this this song shows off your vocal control and range oh yeah Mm -hmm. than than anything else i've heard the just the soaring sort of deal like this like a lot of your stuff is as we discussed it's kind of a mix of like the 70s with with uh with some you know different rock influence and this is like this is like venturing into the coldplay Mm. like genre and it, it it's it was really cool to hear you has still have your style but it was it, it's just it was very different the production of this the drums mm. in the background um what i i i loved it and Thank you know you. one thing over all of your tracks your mm. harmonies are it's gorgeous. the backup Thank vocals you. man every time that every song has been like you hear those uh the choir that you, it's it's all you singing right is that what you said so um on this one i actually have I mean, I did a lot of vocals on this, but um, the, I actually brought in a lot of independent artists who wanted to be part of like raising some awareness. Oh, okay. So there's a lot of voices on this. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah, it yeah. was it was fun to make. Um, so these, I've not really spoken much about this, um, but I will just in in this interview, like this. This project is part one of a bigger project that I'm going to be putting out. Um, and the ideas like Mother, Sister, Lover and Me versus Mother Nature are like bookends of my own experience. Uh, and both okay. are supposed to be sort of resembling this idea of community because that's where I seem to to always come back to. So having that idea of starting off with all these different voices singing in mother, sister, lover, and then returning like mother to mother kind of idea. Uh, um, concept album. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. I love um, your concept album. Yeah. It was it like, I mean, it's, it's a very personal project in general. Um, but I do, I do feel there's a lot of power and stuff that's like, affects us all and obviously climate change is is the biggest factor really that is impacting every single one of us um and i think for me like i 
I use Headspace quite a lot. I don't know if you know that, like the kind of meditation. Yeah. App. Yes. My yeah. wife. My wife uses that a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great, and they have a an entire section, or at least they did. I don't know if they still do. That was dedicated to anxiety around climate change, um, which I thought was great. And I think, for me at least, with this song, as much as it's about my own anxiety, it's also like. I think at this point we need to normalize the fact that we're all fucking scared of what's happening to the planet. And like, you know, I, I eat a plant-based diet and I do what I can to, to, to do my bit. Um, but equally that's not, it's, we, we're all in it together. Like as cringe, as like cheesy as that sounds, it's like, (laughs) You know, it's such a it's such a universal thing, um, quite literally. And yeah, I don't know. I think and, and, it needs and yet to we're be all there. still hating hating each other over our differences when there's actually a yeah. threat present. Yeah. No. And and the thing is, it's like uh, you know, we we've uh, the big the the big argument against it mm. has been, oh, the weather changes all the time, and it's like, no, climate change is the change of weather over time. Yeah. And you don't even need to do it over time anymore. There's a fucking hurricane every <laughs> goddamn day. And, yeah. you know, shout out, shout out to, to, uh, the Island of Maui. And oh my gosh. Everything yeah. that happened over there. Yeah. Um, which wasn't caused by a hurricane as far as the wetness goes. Mm. It was caused by a hurricane further south that was driving these winds up. And then there's a lot of other stuff Yeah, that was, that, that was at play at the time. But, you know, those 80 mile an hour winds spread fire like yeah. very easily. And it's just, you know, we, we have that. I was going to go on vacation recently, um, but had to cancel it because my cruise was heading directly into a hurricane. Like the oh. first one in a hundred years mm. that was going up the West coast. We don't get hurricanes on the West coast. Yeah, we do now. Yeah. Uh, you know, in Florida, it's just fucking Tuesday over yeah. there. Like <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Like yeah. Florida just gets, murdered and then you have climate migration going on in Africa mm-hmm. and southern Europe and you were talking about olives earlier like the olive the olive fields um uh in in Italy and and mm. Spain and all that those are getting threatened yeah. chocolate for fuck's sake i know is is running out yeah. like i mean chocolate. i am not a vegetarian uh hats off to you if you can make that commitment i just can't no, but like, okay. yeah, it's totally fair. <laughs> I, I have my daily struggles. I'm not, yeah, I, I think, I think the whole thing of like vegans, like rubbing veganism in people's faces doesn't make people want to be vegan. So I'm definitely. They're right. the worst. Yeah. They're the, you know, I, that, there is <laughs> a group the that I, that I have prejudice <laughs> against. So the damn vegans. I, I was, I, I was plant-based for, for quite a while. Um, mm-hmm. but it wasn't working. Like my household couldn't be plant-based cause my, yeah. my oldest son has a lot of like, uh, special needs and various yeah. things with his diet. And so we couldn't like yeah. maintain plant-based. And if there's going to be, you know, turkey sandwiches i'm like well i guess i can't let it go to waste you know i i i i I value no waste over (laughs) yeah totally the the truth is the truth is is that moosh cannot say no to wings (laughs) that is also true um although vegan wings are really good like cauliflower wings oh they they are actually cauliflower with all the hot sauces it's honestly great 
It's okay. I I can't. Trader Joe's. I don't know if you have Trader Joe's in in the UK, but Trader (laughs) Joe's in America has these cauliflower wings that are like they're hot, like hot wings, like buffalo. Yeah. Dude. Good. They're See, so I think good. If you cook them just right, they're crispy. Oh my god! <laughs> I am hungry. It's, it's like dreaming was... about these cauliflower <laughs> No, I think I think it's similar. It goes back to like everything we've kind of talked about. Like it applies, you know, in terms of attacking someone for something they do isn't going to make them want to change anything. And it's like the exact yeah. same with the whole. Are do you eat a plant based diet? Do you not? I think it's more. How can we all realistically make positive changes? Like it doesn't it doesn't have to be as deep as like, okay, but are you eating tofu in every single meal? Like most people aren't doing guilty. that. Not guilty. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, and, and and in all honesty, like mm-hmm. uh yes, I, I do know those those vegans. Yeah. The ones that don't shut up about it. But yeah. in all honesty, like if I had the willpower, I would. Because <laughs> cows are the biggest issue they're the biggest problem with with uh with greenhouse gases and they're the number one reason for deforestation mm-hmm. i'm i they're a compound issue and if i could if they didn't taste so goddamn well, I mean, good you could also, to hell with your cauliflower wings a lot moves. of it too before you get like before we get too deep into the the you know the scare mm-hmm. of 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 the climate um going back to like just cow talking about cow, like it's finding where you're sourcing your meat from yeah. instead of sourcing it from the giant factory farms that are responsible for a lot of the deforestation and all that, just getting like local farms that, you know, have raised their cows. And I mean, it's like more expensive, but we got bills and shit. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time. No, I, I'm, look, I'm, I'm all, I'm, I'm all for, I, sorry. I quoted cat Williams, but, um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh no, it, it is it is it is the struggle um of our time, but mm-hmm. it, it is great that just like your EP, we have come full circle with hey, everything. There yeah, and it has it has been, you know, I know a lot of people listen to our show for the the banter and and <laughs> shit like that because we are a silly show week mm-hmm. to week. But when we have you and other artists on, there's always these deeper conversations that we get into. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, every once in a while, you got to be serious. I yeah. like to think of it as and balance. Then, you know, something we got, we have super goofy balance. and then we're, we can be super serial. And, and Brad will be back next week to reins, reinstall the goofiness <laughs> um, a, a, along with the two of us. But Megan, yeah. it has, it, this has been an amazing interview. It's been and fun. I'm not. I don't call any of you guys my favorite interview because maybe it is okay to put maybe it is okay to put artists and things in boxes and categories because every one of you guys so uh, so far since we've been doing the show Mm -hmm. have been amazing in your own way. Like we got into deep shit with Brown Bear. But it wasn't the deep shit that we got into today. Yeah. And it, it's just been uh this is our amazing journey that we love. And we just had our anniversary episode. You oh, are congrats, the guys. first artist. You're the first artist of year two. Nice. So Yay. It, yeah. I feel I feel yeah. honored. Thank you. Um, hey, we, we feel, feel honored. honored. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you yeah. so Megan. much for having me and let me talk about things. It's been cool. Yes, sorry. Well, and b- before I forget, mm. you you obviously have bigger things coming up. Yeah, when those big things come up, yeah, let us know. We would be more than happy to have and you back on 
and and follow your journey with you. And I want to yeah. say, where can people find you? Where where that was my next. Where question. yeah, what are your <laughs> socials? And I see on Spotify you have a couple of live gigs coming up on October first, October fourth. Well, October first would be the day this episode comes out. Yeah. So get there, people. Yeah. It's tonight. Yeah, it's Goddamn. tonight in London. It looks like yes. right. Yeah. And then Edinburgh, and then uh, October twenty first, Glasgow. Yeah. Right? So, um, yeah, you're you're correct. You know yes. the dates better than I do, which is good. Um, I'm thankful to Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm kind of at the moment doing a little um, mini sort of tour. Um, I've still got a few dates to announce. Um, but yeah, I'm doing. I've just played Newcastle, um, and I'm playing London, Edinburgh, and Glasgow, where I'll be playing my new EP as well. It should be cool. It's one of my favorite beers is Newcastle. I haven't had a Newcastle <laughs> in a long time. But hey, if you're in London and you run into our friends of Slow Cook Bears, uh, feel free to say hi. They're amazing. They're an amazing band as well. Nice. Uh, but it has been uh, it, it's been great learning about your story, uh, the ups and downs of it, the ups and downs of your transients that match with uh yeah. the world's temperature that was interesting that was deep i was like i thought the episode was not possibly going to get any deeper yeah. after the conversation we transient had prior art. to that and there you, there you go with poetic transient art yep yep gotta have it what are your socials yeah. megan oh yeah sorry yeah. so i'm on all social media as at megan black music and you can find me i've got like my arm up in the ear and my Perfect. profile yep. photo so it's easy to spot but yeah thank you guys so much for having me and um i will let you guys know about san francisco too absolutely yeah stay in touch yeah, cool. yeah please, please do and you'll be able to find her uh megan black social media uh on the post of this episode on twitter uh and instagram, instagram. Mm-hmm. and you can find that at the cut music one and for everything else thecutmusic.com once again it's been an absolute pleasure having you on uh megan and i really hope uh we you'll let us uh join you on on your journey through music uh feel free to stop by anytime and we will Mm -hmm. talk to you guys next week he is bye